0: The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Hello and welcome to Hoop Balls DFS Today. I'm your host, Mike Apatria, joined by my good buddy Harris Kermani. Here to break down this wonderful Monday, October twenty fifth, slate. Yeah, but nine games to talk about. So, nice, fully-packed Monday after we're coming off of a five game Sunday. It's always good when you get a little bit more in the chamber, a little bit more options, less chalk, all that good stuff. Yeah, no, no Memphis on this slate, so there goes everyone's favorite plays. But it's been a while, Harris. It's been a while. How are you doing, my good friend? I can't complain. Glad to be back in the season.
1: Had a good first week. It's been a couple of tough games for my Raptors, but otherwise it's been... Been a good week. I'm glad to just have the NBA season back. Looks it's good to be back in the arena, mostly. You know, Scotiabank Arena finally showed uh, Raptor games after what 600 and something days off. So just nice to get some normalcy back altogether. And DFS just happens to fit right into that same slate. That's right. You were you were at a few. You went to two games last week, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah the season opener, which was a complete dud, and then yeah, the Mavericks game, which started off well, and then yeah, after the. Gun was pretty much all emptied in Boston to pull off that crazy win. They just couldn't uh, hold it all the way through against the Mavs there.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's not going to say I feel bad for you on that one because <laughs> I, I'd be feeling bad for myself if, uh, if I did. But I'm glad to have you back, man. I've been doing a couple of shows by myself, so it feels good to talk to somebody. I'm sure our listeners are going to be happy that I have somebody to talk to, get some other opinions on here as well. So I'm really excited to do the show with you. Glad to have everything back in gear. But before we jump into anything... Just a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Manscaped. You guys hear me talk about them all the time. Check them out. Head over to manscaped.com where they have all of your male grooming needs, everything from the lawnmower to the ear, nose, and hair trimmer, body wash, body shave, toners, conditioners, you name it, they have it, and they even have the perfect package kit where you get a little bit of everything in a neat little travel kit along with those compression boxer shorts, which, you know, I got sent a pair of those things, and they are fantastic. My favorite boxer shorts to wear. No, it's a weird thing to say, but I think every I think every guy out there probably has their favorite pair of underwear, and that is mine. No lie. So head over there, guys. Use that promo code hoopball20. And you'll get 20% off plus free shipping on your entire purchase. So that is hoopball20 for 20% off plus free shipping so here's we got nine games to talk about man we got nine fully loaded games we're gonna get right into things start off 7 p.m eastern standard time game boston celtics traveling to charlotte charlotte on the second half of back-to-back as well as boston both these teams charlotte just took down the nets and then boston beat the rockets on sunday so we're not gonna have an injury report really for either team um Mostly because they'll they'll probably start coming out around 1.30 in the afternoon, I'm sure. But we do, I believe, uh, have a game total, if I'm not mistaken. I lied. No, we don't. We're actually missing about four of our game totals in lines already. That's usually going to happen with both teams on a back-to-back. Sometimes if if there's just one team on a back-to-back, we'll get it. But I think we pretty much know what's going on with both these teams anyway. We just have to keep an eye on Jalen Brown uh, as far as that for Boston. He set out that Sunday game with the knee tendinitis. Uh, That was bothering him since last season, flared up on him a little bit in the first game. So we just have to keep an eye on that, see how things are going with him over there. Everybody else should, for the most part, be good to go for Boston. Um, Oh, and Romeo Langford as well. He was another guy dealing with an injury. And then Terry Rozier sat out Sunday as well. So we're going to have to keep an eye on Terry Rozier. But those are the two main ones. I'm not really worried about Langford. It's mostly Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier. But I'll pass it over to you. Talk about Boston, what you're looking at in this matchup, and I guess who we could target for DFS.
1: Yeah, and I mean, really, as far as Boston's concerned, as you said, that Jalen Brown news kind of puts a bit of a holdout on exactly who you're going to go for, and also how they're going to kind of handle their back-to-back minutes, because Jason Tatum, to me, is still incredibly underpriced for what he really should be doing, and in fact, he's now down all the way to 8,700, which is even lower than the 8,800 he was today, dropped you know, a 30-point bomb on there, but... Really, at this point, it's his shot, his capability to be able to get his buckets going, his rhythm going, which really has been a little bit off as far as the season's concerned. So I still like him as a great spot. I mean, on a back-to-back, you always have to be that little bit uh, worried about you know, tired legs, especially in the second half if that kind of has them spreading the minutes around a little bit more. But outside of Jason Tatum, if Jalen Brown does in fact still continue to be out for this one, then I'm really looking into Dennis Schroeder, who had an 18-10 and 10 game today. Obviously takes over the main point guard duties for them if uh, Jalen Brown doesn't fax sit out. So that's something that you do want to keep your news on. The other thing is Al Horford, who you know, that's the one veteran that you have to think about, whether he's going to actually you know, play a full allotment of minutes on the back-to-back. If he is, he's clearly showing that he's still got quite a bit in the tank, dropped a solid double-double today at 5,900. That's great value all the way around. But, you know, if they decide that perhaps they want to rest him on the back-to-back, then perhaps Ennis Cantor or maybe a little bit more of Robert Williams, as far as minutes are concerned, start to come into play. So a little bit of a little bit of a thing that's just waiting out as far as Jalen situation is concerned. But otherwise, a lot of underpriced Boston Celtics that have just been underperforming. And maybe in this kind of a game where, you know, the total's not up yet, but I expect it to be slightly higher paced than some of their other games, we could see a little bit more coming out of Boston from a DFS side.
0: I can't argue with that. I, I mean, Tatum played absolutely phenomenal. And that's where the usage goes. You touched on Schroeder drawing the start uh, alongside Marcus Smart. And, yeah, he probably handles the ball a little bit more than Smart when that happens. He's more of the tra- a traditional point guard. As, you know, Smart played that two for them years and years now. So I'll be looking at Tatum for sure. 8700 is a fantastic price tag. There's a lot of good forward options on this slate, so you might run into that. The back-to-back doesn't really scare me off of Tatum. Uh, you touched on Horford. The, this is going to be the first back-to-back that we're pretty much seeing Boston play. So, who knows what can happen as far as minutes? I would expect him to be maybe slightly limited. And actually, uh, our boy Grant Williams had a big game today as well. So we've seen him in that first game where COVID uh, kind of struck um, Tatum. I'm not Tatum. I'm sorry, Horford, and he had to miss that first one. Uh, it was it was Grant that drew the start. Drew the start. So I imagine that he'll probably end up drawing the start if, for any reason, they decide to rest Horford. And he'll probably be the biggest beneficiary, I guess, if we can, uh, if we see maybe Horford playing 25 minutes instead of like you know 29 or 30. But it's probably not somebody I'm going gra- to like gravitate towards that that much. He had a great game today. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want to bank on that shot falling for him like it did today. Hey, and it was a very high-paced game as well today too. So I'll probably just be looking at Tatum and Schroeder. Those will be the main two guys. If uh, if Horford does sit though, that does give a big boost to Robert Williams. But otherwise, if, if Horford sits, I'm probably not going to have interest in too much in the front court outside of maybe a couple of shares of Horford. If we see, uh, you know, a news report or a beat writer say that there's going to be no sort of limitations on him. On the Charlotte side, I think a lot of people have been just loving what the Charlotte team's doing. They're fun to watch. If you were watching that Nets game today, it was just electric. So I'll pass it over to you. Uh, you know, I think the obvious talk, uh, talk of the town is probably going to be the, you know, the the two the tandem, I guess we can call them, Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball. Are you looking at either one of those guys? Yeah, and I mean, LaMelo
1: is priced at a point where he could probably do some decent damage, but Miles Bridges just continues to kind of just show how much his game has evolved. He's just so much more involved in the offense. Most of these nights, he's shooting anywhere between 15 to 16 times, and just because he's the kind of Swiss Army knife guy he is, to me, 7,100 is a great spot to be able to get him. I mean, he hasn't had a single game so far where he's below 45 fantasy points. I don't expect... Uh, him to be shy from any of the situations. And to be honest, his uh, pace and his kind of bounce would probably be in a pretty good spot as far as the Boston lineups are concerned, where he can try to really get in there, get into the the post, really get on some of those putbacks as well. So Miles Bridges is definitely one guy that I'll be majorly targeting as far as the Charlotte Hornets are concerned. And the other spot that's been kind of interesting to me has been uh, Cody Martin which, uh, you know, obviously on a more low-end scale on him. But he's getting consistent minutes. Looks like he's pretty well locked in as their kind of main six-man, which is kind of funny because P.J. Washington is now in this kind of uh, weird role where he's getting 20-ish minutes, but then Cody Martin gets 30. But again, Cody Martin's the one sitting at 3,900, having, you know, pretty decent upside as far as... His overall utility is concerned, gets a decent amount of rebounds, actually handles the ball a good bit as well to get a little bit of you know dime usage in there. And he's hit double digits in each of the games. So for 3,900, that may be a spot where I have a little bit of exposure as well.
0: Yeah, he could definitely do worse, and especially if Rozier's is ruled out again. I think that's where we kind of see that little boost in minutes going his way where he's playing more than 30 when Rozier sits out. Uh, they start Oubre pretty much as uh, anytime anybody's out in that starting lineup. it's pretty much it looks like it's going to be Oubre that slots right in there. But that bench usage is what's important, you know, being that lead shot taker off the bench for them. Uh, Bridge is surprising me, uh, 11 for 12 from the line today. So he's, he's just getting to the rack. And I think a lot of that is just Lamella looking for him on those cuts. That's one thing that these two love to do is playing open court together. They, they touched on it. They're just a much better team when both these guys are on the floor. And I think that's one of the things that's just been limiting Washington and it's going to continue to limit them, uh, you know. He may be a little bit more versatile defensively than Bridges, but he has nowhere near the offensive game that Bridges has and just that in-sync ability that he has with LaMelo Ball. The one thing that has been just worrying me ever so slightly is they've been limiting LaMelo's minutes. Uh, it, it looks like now it's been three straight games where he's played less than 30 minutes. So it's something to keep an eye on just as far as his overall you know upside. We really want him to be playing that. You know, 32 to 35 minute roll. And if we get him there, absolutely smash him home. It uh, doesn't even, pretty much almost matchup proof at this point as well. I'm definitely going to have some interest in him. I think this game stays a little closer than that Brooklyn game did for the most part. It was getting out of hand uh, pretty early, but something to monitor and just keep an eye on. He's still taking the most amount of shots on the team. So the usage will be there. Generally, the assists, the steals, those come there. He's a tall guard. He'll get some rebounds. There's no doubt about it. He's always that triple double threat. So I'll keep Lamello in my uh, in my player pool, and then you touched on it. I definitely have a little bit of interest in Cody Martin, probably more so in Cash than I do in GPP. Just don't think he has like you know much more than a 25 point upside uh, in his game. Maybe maybe 30, but probably few and far in between to get you to 30. So if you want to take down a GPP in a nine game slate. You're probably going to need at least 35 from uh, you know those guys that are on that four or five K range. So. That's about it, though. I don't really have any interest in Gordon Hayward as he's pretty much taken a backseat in this offense compared to Bridges and to Bell. Ball, he's the third option. He's a good third option. Don't get me wrong. 6900 is a fair price tag, but I'd rather just pay the $200 more for Bridges at this point. It just looks like he's he's really stepped up, and this could be just a breakout season for him.
1: Yeah, I agree. Completely. Just love watching Charlotte. It's
0: been my uh, number one league pass team for a little while now, so – yeah, <laughs> not something we're used to saying either. So this is fun. <laughs> it's good. It's good when you actually get to see some of these youngest sighted guys come into the league and really just change a team and change their, you know, their whole outlook. Uh, and just one dude, you know, I, and it's funny because I think years ago, if we said that LaMelo Ball would be this good in the NBA, like three years ago, we'd probably think it was a little bit of a stretch. You know, we everyone kind of looked at him, uh, you know, that he was just going to be that guy that was on TV. LeVar Ball's his dad. Lonzo's his younger brother. But the dude's a bona fide stud. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He's got game and he's going to be in this league for a while and he's going to be making these flashy passes and smart plays for a long, long time. But we'll move on to the next seven o'clock game. Milwaukee Bucks traveling to Indiana, taking on the Pacers. This one's going to be loaded with fantasy value. 228 game total. Bucks favored by three. Got some news for the injury report, though. For the Pacers, Lavert, Keelan Martin, TJ Warren all out. And for the Bucks, Dante DiVincenzo, Brooke Lopez, Semi Ojale are all rolled out. Drew Holiday is doubtful. And then we have Bobby Portis is being considered questionable. So a little bit of an upgrade for Bobby Portis. He hasn't played yet this season. He's been dealing with that left hamstring strain. Definitely need him in the lineup. uh, That's for sure. Without Brooke Lopez, they need some size in there. They've been running Giannis at the 5 a good amount he can play the five. I think people have been, you know, starving for him to play the five, but this is probably not the matchup when they play two bigs where you can you know you really need some exercise if you have it. So uh what are you looking at on this Bucks team? You know, a lot of guys that we could spend up on this slate. Four of them are overpriced over priced over ten K. Is Giannis one of the guys you're targeting?
1: Well, first and foremost, Giannis in any kind of matchup where you know that the game is going to be even somewhat close, is just the guy you want to target, plain and simple. I mean, we already know his points-per-minute production, his just fantasy value, as soon as long as he can stay on the floor. And considering the fact that, as you said, Brook Lopez is out, DiVincenzo continues to be out, Drew Holiday's doubtful, Ortiz is, who knows? It's just going to be one of those things where someone's going to have to go up and put out those numbers on there. And I'm always trusting Giannis to be able to do that. So as long as the game can stay close and... The one good thing about Milwaukee is that even if no one's there, their team defense is just good enough to be able to keep you in any of those games. And Indiana's not really an offensive firehouse as far as their side is concerned. So I definitely am targeting Giannis. Uh, the other you know, main guys that I'm going for is really just all these 4,000 ones that are sitting there. I mean, we saw Pat Connaughton. He's continuing to get that 30-plus-minute role. He's pretty much stepped into what Dante DiVincenzo did. And really, what's nice about him is apart from the fact that he's getting you know, nine to 10 shots a game consistently, he just continues to help you on the rebounding side as well. So again, probably more of a potential cash one rather than GPP. But, uh, you know, between Connison, Grayson Allen, Jordan Nowara, who's probably more of the guy I may be looking at in that GPP side, because it's odd. He's getting consistent minutes. He's getting uh, consistent shots. He just hasn't been able to get him to fall at the percentage that he's probably hoping for. But at around, you know, that 4,000 number, he just needs a couple more of them to go to be able to hit that thirty thirty-five level. So, definitely looking at him as a potential option, especially if uh, Drew and Bobby Portis and these guys continue to be fully ruled out.
0: Yeah, and the thing with Bobby Portis is he was initially taken off the injury report, like halfway through the day. And then they put him back on as questionable in the most recent one. So that's that's the thing that kind of hedges me towards a little bit more like he's going to play but i would not expect him to play big or full minutes anytime it's a hamstring injury you know that could be re-aggravated very very easily so they'll probably ease him in but that definitely will eat into Nuora's minutes ever so slightly i still expect him to have a pretty solid role but probably takes him out of my player pool just because at 4200 we're going to talk about i think we've already talked about several guys in that price range I'd probably uh, rather play like a Connaughton or a Grayson Allen just to feel a little bit safer about it. One of those two guys are going to handle the ball. But for the most part, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Giannis for sure. He's played well against Indiana last season. I think he averaged uh, about 30 actual points against them, uh, you know, 14 rebounds. So he, he crushed them. He played very well against them. Sabonis not necessarily known for his defense, so we want to see Giannis playing a little bit more of that four if it's possible. Miles Turner could play defense, could stretch out to the three-point line when he needs to. So... You know, I'm not saying like he can hang with him, but we've seen some of those centers who are a little bit more versatile give Giannis some trouble. Bam out of being one of them. Anytime we see Milwaukee play uh, the Heat, it's an instant fade for me when it comes to Giannis. It's probably the only one time where I just kind of cross him out of my player pool. But I'm definitely going to have him in there. And I think Chris Middleton is going to be an excellent play in this one, too. At 7,200. You know, they finally got it going in that last game. Struggled uh, mightily, but any this game's going to have to rely on these two guys and their shot attempts. There's no one else on this team that can really keep them in it. We've seen Indiana be able to just come out and score with firepower this season. They, they, you know, they're they're running short rotations. Carlisle has these guys basically all playing 40 plus minutes when they could. They're high thirties at the very least one of those games were an overtime game, but even outside of that one, these guys are playing big minutes and they're going to have to have their key guys like Giannis and Middleton on the floor for as long as possible. So Giannis is definitely one of the guys I'm spending up on. He's probably one of my top uh, two favorite plays to spend up for on this slate. But outside of those two guys, if we hear there's no restriction with Bobby Portis, I would definitely have some interest in him. And then if you need to absolutely dumpster dive, George is an option at 3,500. When it comes to guys like Grayson Allen, George Hill, Connaughton, Connaughton's getting up there at 47, Grayson Allen 46. Those are fair price tags. But George Hill is going to have just as big of a role with Nodra Holiday. Maybe play like five less minutes, but at 3,500, it's bottom of the barrel, and that extra 1K might be able to get me something later on in the slate. So That's pretty much it, though. I'm not going to get too cute with this Bucks team. I just want to look at the studs, and I think that Giannis should be priced closer to 11K, if not a little bit more than 11. And Chris Middleton's a guy that probably should be about 77 to 79, and he's coming in at 72. On the Indiana side of things, though, If we're playing uh, Giannis, generally, you want to run it back because you're saying this game's going to be close. I'm playing Giannis. He's playing 35 minutes minimum or 34 minutes. He's going to give me a ton of points. And the guys to run it back with, I mean, it's hard to ignore while Brogdon's been playing this season. He's getting it done in all facets of the game. 45 DK points, 55-54. Again, one of those was an overtime game. Uh, But this is just unbelievable play by Brogdon so far who came into the season dealing with an AC joint sprain. Doesn't look like it whatsoever. So I don't mind looking at Brogdon, especially if Drew Holiday's out. 7900 feels a little bit pricey for him. But again, we're going to want to run it back with somebody. And if you're starting your lineup with Sabonis and Giannis, you're probably not going to have a lot of money left over on anything else. But this is also going to be a fantastic spot for Sabonis. I'd like him a lot more if Bobby Portis is ruled out, because that means we're going to see a lot of Giannis at the five. And I just don't know what body that they would try to stick with Sabonis if they want to throw in the war at him. It's not going to go well. Uh, if they throw Middleton at him, it's not going to go well. Like, I it, no matter how they run this out there, it's not going to be a good combination if they do not have a big that can match up with Sabonis. So, I'll be definitely looking at Sabonis a little bit more in that kind of situation. And then, I wanted to get your opinion is it another Chris Duarte game? Because this dude has looked unbelievable. Uh, they're playing him big minutes, he's not shy, minimum of 15 shot attempts in all three games. He looks great defensively. Shots falling from him from deep so far. He's made about, uh, what is it, he took 24 three-pointers and made 11 of them. So he's yeah. shooting them at a pretty solid clip. Is he a guy that you consider, again, even though his price tag is up to 5400 now? Yeah.
1: and I mean, his price tag has been, it's like DraftKings is still trying to figure out exactly where they should be at. I mean, he was at 6000 for the uh, October 22nd game. Then he dropped like 3900 for the one after that. So it's been kind of an oddball one where he's trying to figure out where it is. But at $5,400, they are still room for him to be able to grow. I mean, he took 21 shots in the game prior. As you said, it's just absolutely just gunning it from deep. And I mean, for all the guys that we were looking at in the uh, rookie season, Duarte was kind of under the radar as far as that's concerned, but he's just come in and absolutely smashed it. And until, you know, Karis LeVert and these guys uh, come back to be able to, you know, get a little bit more usage spread out over there, I have no reason to doubt that Duarte's going to continue to get you know those 20, 21 shots a game to be able to do that. And he's one guy I'm looking at. And the other enigma, which you know I'm interested to be able to go in because, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez is out, is Miles Turner. And it's just one of those things where at 5,500, especially from a GPP standpoint, as we saw, I mean, he's an enigma. If he has a game like he had on the 22nd against Washington, he can absolutely just destroy any other lineup out there, drop 64 on that one. But then you get the bad Miles Turner on the other end where he gets in a little bit of trouble, you know, 11th. 11 points on that one, 25 before that. So there's definitely risk involved with it. But at 5,500 for a guy who's likely going to lead the league yet again in shot blocks is getting consistent shots on his side over there. It's just a play that I have a pretty decent exposure to, I'm feeling. And from a center perspective, I think at that price tag, there's a lot of upside for him to be able to have another big game in what could be a close one.
0: Absolutely. And in that last one, uh, you'll notice the the limited minutes. And it's because he got into foul trouble very, very early. He ended up finishing the game with five fouls, but uh, he picked up a lot of his fouls pretty early. So he was, had, he was forced to have his minutes limited to only 16. Uh, don't expect that to happen again. You should be seeing a full complement of minutes in this one. But that's always the risk you run when you play guys that aren't afraid to uh, go for shot blocks, block shots. They're, they can run into foul trouble early when they challenge everybody at the rim. Um, but 5500 that's a fantastic price tag. For him, so I'm not going to argue with you there. We'll move on. 7:30 Eastern Standard Time game. Detroit Pistons traveling to Atlanta, taking on the Hawks. This one does not have a game total yet. Uh, not sure why. Really doesn't make. Oh no, I lied. We do. 213 and a half. So it's going to be one of the lower ones that we have. There's going to be only one other game on the slate with a lower game total than this one, but. Right now, coming in with the Hawks favored by a whopping 10.5 points. As far as the injury report goes, Hawks have Danilo Gallinari listed as questionable. Onyeka Akungu still out. Piston's still going to be without Cade Cunningham. Isaiah Livers, Chris Smith. Cunningham is not traveling with the team during this whole road trip, so he's probably going to miss about another week. Uh, and then I think they said they're going to try to get him some G League action, if I'm not mistaken. Just to make sure he could test that ankle, and that's going to be good to go. But... So we're going to see this same Detroit Pistons lineup that we've been seeing for the most part of this season. Very underwhelming, but at least we know what to expect. So I'll start off here with Detroit. Really, it's pretty simple for me. There's only one guy in this entire team I ever have any interest in at this point in time, and it's Jeremy Grant at 6,300. Uh, Price less than Sadiq Bay, but he should still lead the team in shot attempts. Took 20 in the first one, only 13 in the last one. Hasn't really been getting it to fall, shooting 40 in the first game, 30% in the second game. But he's always going to get you the blocks, the steals, decent rebounds. 6,300 for a guy that, you know, like I said, is going to lead this team in shot attempts. I have mild interest in him. The spread scares me just ever so slightly. But he's usually a guy that will still get close to 30 minutes, even in a blowout, regardless, if not even more. Not really afraid to limit him, but I'll pass it over to you for Detroit. Anybody else you can consider?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, the Sadiq Bey one is always of interest to me just because he also has been getting like, a ridiculous amount of rebounds for a guy in, in his position. I mean, he's got 25 in the first two games. He's shooting 15 and 16 times in that game. And even though he's probably their premier three-point shooter, he's only hit one so far in the season, one of nine. So it's just one of those things where if he can get, you know, any one of those shots to start falling, get some consistency going, he could absolutely blow through the points that he's been getting out. He still dropped 45 in the in the last game, dropped 29 in the first game as well. So the upside is there. The floor is pretty safe. So in a situation where, you know, the Atlanta team not known to be great defensively, not been great in defending the three-point line as well. Last season, they were in the bottom half. So for a game like Sadiq Bay, he could be looking at something over here. And the other one that's more... A little bit of a uh, a punt for me, I'm still waiting for Isaiah Stewart to do what he had been doing in the previous season. I mean, he led all rookies in blocks in the previous season, but he's only got one so far in the entire season. So it's just one of those where his minutes haven't kind of been there and, you know, his block potential, which is still super high, hasn't really come back onto it. So it's just kind of like all those things that you're waiting to come together on there. Because I do believe by the end of the season, he's going to be sitting into that, you know, six, seven thousand price tag as he gets his uh, rhythm going. So potentially Atlanta team that's not amazing uh in that sense defensively but also have a Clint Capella style big who's going to make us so that Isaiah Stewart would probably stay on the floor a little bit longer his price tag is something of interest as well but I'd probably end up jumping at the Miles Turner 15500 more so instead anyways
0: yeah I'm probably with Miles Turner a little bit more on that too it's just with Kelly Olynyk there they're kind of chopping those minutes up and they like having that capable three-point shooting big that can come on the floor here and there and spread it. And that may be something that they try to take advantage of Capella with, simply because Capella struggles to get up that three-point line. and Linick might be able to take advantage of that. Doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to be targeting Linux, maybe if you want to, in your GPPs. But until I can see Stu play you know, 30 minutes consistently or at least close to it, he doesn't even need 30. That's the thing. He's, he's a great point-per-minute producer. You touched on it. He, did, he led rookies with shot blocks. Uh, he's also a fantastic rebounder. But he hasn't played more than 26 minutes yet. That was in that first game, 24 in the last one. And it just really limits his ceiling. Um, you know, The floor has, hasn't been that great either. I'm sure in one of these games, especially if something happens to Atlantic, that, like that's when you're going to want to smash him. Just hit it home. He'll play 30-plus. Home run play, no doubt about it. But until I can see some consistency out of his rotational minutes, I really just don't have the faith in it. But sliding over to the Hawks' side of the ball, definitely a lot to like here. The spread does concern me a little bit at 10-and-a-half. You know, Vegas isn't always right. But, you know, we've seen the Pistons just kind of get pooped on left and right. And it doesn't look like it's going to be their best season coming anytime soon. Maybe once they get Cade back, they get a little bit more of a scoring punch. But right now, they're just struggling to keep up with teams. And this Hawks team could be electric, especially when it comes to their outside shooting. Trey Young at 9,300 just feels a little pricey for me. It's Trey Young. I get it. He could drop 40 any given night. But he kind of looks like he's having some of the same issues that James Harden's having right now with this new foul call thing. Uh, you know, the, he still got to the line a fair amount. You know, in these past few games, seven in the last one, five in the in the game prior. But the shutout's not falling for him right now. He's shooting right around 36% on the season, and we're getting a consistent 40 DK points out of him. But 9300, we need more than 40. There's a lot of guys on this slate at the point guard position that can give us 40, and I just don't feel like Trey Trey Young is the guy I want to target on this one. Think capella, I don't mind looking at though. 6800, despite knowing that he has a minutes limitation. He's dealing with Achilles soreness. He's been dealing with that for, it feels like the better half of like a year and a half now. But knowing that this game could get limited anyway, just because of a blowout, he's still a guy that would probably have the same amount of minutes total regardless. You know, probably right around that 26 to 28 minute range. And at 6,800, he's a dude that can just pour in rebounds. I can see easily having like a 15 and 15 type game here. Not my favorite center play on the slate. But I definitely don't mind looking at him. And the only other guy I would consider is going to be his front mate, in John Collins. $6,400 is a very, very good price tag for John Collins. Last game, he, had to, he got into foul trouble pretty early. Very similar to Miles Turner. Ended up finishing the game with five fouls. So didn't play a full complement of minutes. Only played 27 minutes. But he's a guy that I can see easily taking advantage of the matchup and the situation. Jeremy Grant's a great defender. He's quick. Uh, but he sometimes struggles with some of these guys that are a little bit more versatile big men. And I could definitely see Collins taking advantage of it at 6,400. Maybe a guy that if you are playing a grant, you want to run it back with one of these guys, sure. But for the most part, it's a very, very under appealing game to me. And I just don't see myself going to do too much. Maybe a dart throw on DeAndre Hunter at 4,500 because the shot attempts have been there. He's just not doing much as far as the counting stats.
1: Yeah, pretty much there. And if Gallinari is also continuing to be out, uh, Cam Reddish is a spot where I've had a little bit of interest as well. I mean, his minutes are continuing to go up. He's got 28 in the last one, had 14 shot attempts, has been probably one of the few Hawks actually hitting their shots, hit three three three-pointers in each of his first two games, dropped 27 and 28 fantasy points. So at 4,700, that's a little bit of upside over there as well. And, I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, when he gets out there, he's purely there to just gun for them. So, you know, if he can get uh, a decent compliment to Venus before the game potentially gets out of hand, that's a good spot where he should probably be able to hit pretty decent value.
0: Yeah, Greg has been playing great ball. He looks like a totally different player this season. Yeah. He'll start off the game sometimes taking – he's notoriously known for just taking dumb shots, like really mm-hmm. bad shots that maybe, you know, maybe it's early in the shot clock or just ones that you should not be taking. But he generally gets it together towards the end of the game and middle of the game. But he's been looking fantastic this season. So a guy that I expect to continue to evolve as the season goes on and on, he's going to be a great rotation piece. I don't know how long he stays on this Hawks team. I could definitely see him going somewhere else and trying to get paid – When the time is right but somebody that i continue to kind of just monitor at this point in time but we'll move on to the next game fourth game of the night another 7 30 eastern standard time game washington wizards travel to brooklyn taking on the nets here brooklyn on the second half of a back-to-back right now we do not have a game total there we go i finally got one right i've been talking too much and just not getting them right i'll be like we don't have one but we really do uh as far as an injury report goes Looks like we should have the Wizards, but we're not going to have Brooklyn's yet. Um, nope, not even for the Wizards. There we go. There we go. Bradley Beal's questionable. Thomas Bryant ruled out. Anthony Gill ruled out. Rui and Cassius Stanley are ruled out as well. So obviously the big news to watch is Bradley Beal. He sat out that last game. We saw Aaron Holiday draw the spot start for him. But it was really the Spencer Dinwiddie show. He went absolutely bananas. He was way too cheap. I think he was priced at like 4900 in that game. Now he's back up to where he probably should be at 7 k so if Bradley Beal plays though at that price tag of 7K, I, I really just don't want to pay that for him. If Bradley Beal's out, I have no issues going against his former team. So who doesn't love a little bit of a revenge narrative in there as well? And Kyle Kuzma at 6,700, it's kind of a very similar circumstance where if we see that you know Beal's ruled out, sure, don't mind looking at Kuzma. Beal's ruled in, I don't have any interest in this. I expect to actually with no Beal will probably be a pretty large spread. Brooklyn on a back-to-back after a tough loss against that Charlotte Hornets team. I'm expecting a big bounce back for him. But the other guy I definitely have some interest in It would be Montrez Harrell. Played 34 minutes in that last one. He's looked great so far. Still coming off the bench behind Gafford. But centers destroy Brooklyn, especially these you know old, washed-up ones that they have on their bench that he'll see in the second unit once these guys check in. Claxton will check out. And even if Claxton's in there, Claxton's been getting absolutely bullied all season long. It's been looking very rough for him. Just a little skinny guy out there, uh, big skinny guy, tall, don't get me wrong. But Harrell is a bruiser. He's a, a undersized center who kind of just uses his body and throws his weight around when he could. So uh, I'm, I'm mainly looking at Harrell right now. And if we get the news that Beal's out, don't mind looking at some Dinwiddie and Kuzma. If Beal's in, I think he's an absolutely fantastic play in this one. They're going to need him. 9200 I prefer him over Trey Young at a very similar price tag. But that's it for me. I'm not going to go you know, chasing Aaron Holiday in a spot start. And Gafford, without the minutes, can't really trust him at 5,100 just yet. So what are your thoughts, though, on this Washington team?
1: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head mostly. Uh, The only other guy I was potentially looking at as well is Davis Bertans, who's, I mean, coming back from an injury now, his minutes are starting to get back into normal. And with those minutes come just a huge amount of shot attempts. Just one of those guys that's just going to be there purely to gun, hit four threes in the last game, got 23 minutes. I mean, dropped 25 fantasy points on there, and you know his value is going to be purely link to how many threes he can go ahead and hit but he's one of those guys especially in the brooklyn game which is likely going to be a little bit more fast-paced on their brooklyn's like are going to be looking to push the pace get it back there i could see them going a little bit more to bertans to try and give him a little bit more spacing on the outside and at 3600
0: yeah, not a bad spot we'll slide over to brooklyn we have another 10k guy to talk about that's kevin durant who looks phenomenal um back-to-back for him Nash pretty much came out and said that he's going to find bits and pieces and times during the season where he's going to rest. I don't expect it to be necessarily early on, especially while this team's struggling. I mean, they could pretty much almost throw in the towel without Durant, even against a Washington team. But at 10-2 in this matchup, I wish it was in Washington, uh, get a little hometown narrative out there, but it's in Brooklyn either way. And this is a fantastic matchup for him. He's probably going to see the likelihood of a combination of Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma and, he should just decimate both these guys. So at 10-2, I have a ton of interest in Durant. You know, right in that Giannis price range makes things tough. We don't necessarily have the value to start crammed in multiple studs just yet. So you're going to have to make some decisions, make some different builds. One of my initial builds, you know, if I didn't have Giannis, I, I paired him up with Middleton. I still want exposure in that game. I still wanted to run it back with somebody over there in Milwaukee with that high usage, with the shot attempts. But I can't ignore Kevin Durant. He's absolutely fantastic on the slate. I love that price tag. And outside of him, I just can't go to James Harden just yet. 9500 any other day of the week. It feels like it's a great price tag for James Harden. Uh, but he's kind of taking a backseat. And like I said with Trey Young, the foul attempts, the foul shots just haven't been there for James Harden. The guy that would routinely get, get 10 foul shots per game has nine on the season right now. So I got a little concerned with James Harden. I, I'm, a blow-up game is bound to happen. In GPPs, he makes a lot more sense. But in cash games, you really can't trust James Harden right now. Just until we see it, until we see him start to get a little groove together, can't really trust him. And then the only other guy I really have any interest in would be just Joe Harris. Just because Joe Harris, this is like a great a great start for him, great spot for him. Spot-up shooter. I would expect him to have closer to that 12 to 14 shot attempt range. Uh, only had six today. Not very Joe Harris-like. They're going to need him from the three-point line. They need a little bit of help. They need a little bit of scoring help. So. Only real guys I'm looking at. Not really concerned with, like, Patty Mills at 4,700. And uh, I just don't want to go near this big man rotation of Marcus Aldridge and Nick Claxton.
1: Fair enough. Although, the one uh, little wrinkle that's been interesting is that Bruce Brown seems to have found his spot back in the rotation now. Played 27 minutes in the last game over there. And for 3,500, dropped 22.75 out there. So, he's playing his 27, 28 minutes that he's getting there. He's likely going to be able to hit that value there, too. So, if you're getting to a situation where you're potentially choosing between a couple of studs, maybe Bruce Brown's the kind of guy you want to shove at the end over there to be able to just round the line about.
0: That's a good call. Guy that should have been in the rotation from the beginning with. Should be starting.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, they need defense out there, but for some reason, they didn't even start him today. They started at Javon Carter. Yeah. So I don't know what Steve Nash's infatuation with Javon Carter is, but he's not that good at basketball. So I would just... Make the right call. Um, Maybe you should call him Harris. Tell him to put Bruce Brown in there. Tell him (laughs) I said so. Uh, I don't really have any leeway with Steve Nash. I don't think he'll take my calls. Maybe he'll take yours. Yeah,
1: Maybe the Canadian connection can get it through.
0: That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) On to the next game. Another 7.30 Eastern Standard Time game. Orlando traveling to Miami. I don't know if it's really traveling. Not too far. But nonetheless, Orlando coming off of a big win. Uh, Call Anthony. Call Anthony, call Anthony, call Anthony. I mean, the dude just poured it on today. I had him in none of my lineups. Uh, it hurt to, to see how well he did uh, and just not have any shares of him. No ownership whatsoever. But for the injury report, Miami Heat, Kyle Lowry, questionable. That's the big news that we have to keep an eye on. Missed that last one. We saw that Gabe Vincent drew the start for him, but Gabe Vincent's not the guy that we're concerned with. We'll talk about who we are concerned with. And then Victor Oladipo's out. Magic, have you to submit their injury report? Because they played today. Gary Harris is probably gonna sit though, is what I imagine. Missed the past three games already, dealing with that hamstring strain. They made it seem like it was kind of a management thing, but three games in a row is not really management. That's that's him dealing with something. And Gary Harris is always, it feels like he's always dealing with something. No game line, no total, no spread yet, because Orlando played on that back to back. But I'll pass it over to you. Can we go back to Cole Anthony? Do we dare chase that game? I
1: mean, at six two hundred, it's just one of those where. You know, he's got the minutes on lock. He seems to be in a situation where, you know, he's got the green light. His shot had been completely off up until this last game where he finally got it together and shot 9 of 16. But, you know, he was coming in 3 of 12, 3 of 14, which had depressed his uh, overall overall fantasy points total. So, I mean, you can think about going for it, but at 6,200, it's probably one of those spots where, you know, there's enough guards out there that I'd probably just take that $100 dip and go for Mobamba again just because... It's just one of those things where Mo Bamba didn't get the blocks in today, but still was able to pull out a 13 and or a 10 and 13 game. I was close enough to value over there. That's been pretty much my major Orlando Magic. I think I've played him every night so far that Orlando has played. So, you know, Mo Bamba, Mo Magic. But uh, outside of that, it's one of those just chasing the rookies. So there's a number of guys that I've been pretty, you know, pretty closely following. Franz Wagner is one. You know, getting his uh, kind of this tweener role of shooting guard, small forward going. He gets pretty good boards for his position as well, and just has been shooting it pretty effectively, so you know, that's one spot from a lower value perspective, but yeah, the Cole Anthony thing, I'll probably take him in a couple of lineups, just because you know, I did have him today, it'd probably feel bad to not do that and give him the opportunity to follow up after he did that for me, so I'll have him a little bit there, but it's probably more Mo Bamba than anything else.
0: I don't think I'm going with any of these guys, to be honest. Back-to-back game, uh, you know, these guys all played pretty big minutes. It was, you know, we saw the next game, it was it was a it was pretty close was not like it was an absolute blowout or anything like that i'm not going to chase the cole anthony and I, I just talked about how i don't like to play Giannis going against bam out of bio makes me a little skeptical about playing mo Bamba going against him too i mean bam may may not get the recognition. i mean no, he gets the recognition as a great defender but he's definitely in a in the short season it's been so far looks like he could be a, a candidate for defensive player of the year I mean, Rudy Gobert should end up with it, and probably will end up with it. That's just the way things work because Rudy Gobert's the best defender at the position, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But Bam's not a guy I like to target, especially this Miami team who could really slow things down. Uh, you know, really take take the pace away from like this Orlando team who seems like they're very run and gun at this point with all these young guys. It's just, hey, listen, if we can, if we can, if our shots fall we have a chance. But for the most part, this game will probably end up coming in at like a 9-point spread or a 10-point spread, I think, when it's all said and done. And I just don't want to target any of them. Um, you know, if you wanted to take a shot maybe on just like a Jalen Suggs magic, no pun intended, but 5,100, I I, I don't trust him personally. It cost me a little money today. I played him in like two lineups, and those lineups are doing fantastic outside of him. So that's what hurts, but maybe it's a little biased there. But on the other side of the ball... The Heat, Jimmy Butler coming in at 8,800. Bam coming in at 81. Uh The big story though is going to be Tyler Hero, who has just been absolutely lights out. Looks like he's playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when people were talking about him, saying that he, you know, he thinks he should be included in that luca Trey Young conversation. He said he's just as good as these guys, and you know, it's kind of I'm not gonna I'm not gonna agree with him, but it's hard to argue with how great he's been playing. 30 points in that last one, 27 in the game prior. If there's no Kyle Lowry, 6400 I don't mind paying that price tag. Even if this game gets out of hand, I don't think he's a guy that would be limited necessarily. I think it would probably just end up being guys like Bam and Jimmy maybe that would take a small hit. But it's really going to depend on Kyle Lowry's availability. If Kyle Lowry's playing, I don't think I want to pay that 6400 but I still don't think it's like an egregious price tag. I, I still think that he's definitely lightning in a bottle.
1: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, he's got the greenest of green lights probably early on in the season over here in. And you talk about that chip on the shoulder. It seems like a lot of these uh, guards that go into Miami and just come in and want to do a little bit more. It reminds me of what Dion Waiters when he had that season uh, with them a couple of years back as well, right? Just kind of under the radar. No one really cared about him, whatever. Obviously, he's not really in the league now, but he went out and had a crazy season that year and won me quite a lot of money. So Tyler Hero just giving me very similar vibes as far as that. Just you know, regardless of what the reality is, he thinks he's that good and he's getting the shots to be able to prove that he's that good. So even if he's hitting three of 12 from three, as he did from last game, he's still going to go ahead and drop 44 fantasy points for you. So
0: why not? Can't argue with that. I mean, yeah, green light for sure. Deion Waiters, I feel like always had like a, a yellow light, but he just thought it was green. <laughs> like He's colorblind. It was like, you know, we know you're going to shoot 40 times when you come into the game in seven minutes, but you know maybe just tone it down a little bit. He just did his thing. I, I, I was one of the probably the few people who actually enjoyed watching Deion Waiters play basketball sometimes. Because <laughs> when he's hot, he's hot. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. He would pull up from, like, 36 feet with no regard to anybody. Like, didn't care what a coach thought. Didn't care who was on him. Uh, but with the night that he was cold, yeah, pretty unbearable. But we'll move on to the 7.30 game. Again, four straight 7.30 Eastern time game. Chicago Bulls traveling to Toronto. You going to go to this one?
1: I'll be there, yeah. you have season tickets? I do, yeah, yeah. It's uh, 10 years All now. All right.
0: Wow. There you go. So, yeah, you'll be
1: you'll, <laughs> twelve, right above the Raptors, uh, Raptors bench area. So, you know, if you end up looking over there, maybe you'll see a little Raptors
0: hat. Maybe I'll hold up a hoop ball sign one day. Yeah, you definitely have to. We're, uh, we're going to get you a hoop ball T-shirt so I can spot you out in the crowd. Something I like those it. T-shirts are awesome uh, for the Bulls. Kobe White ruled out for Toronto. It's just Pascal and Utah both ruled out as well. Going to have to keep an eye on Pascal Siakam. I guess he's taking contact practice at this point. So still a little ways away, but shouldn't be too far. Maybe a few more weeks. 2 12 and a half game total. Chicago favored by two and a half. So this is the lowest game, game total of the night. Hope that doesn't deter you from using your season ticket. But <laughs> uh, should it? You got those. Go. Uh, but I'll, I'll start off with Chicago because I know that I might as well let you talk about the Raptors. That's your team. You know, looking at this team, Zach Levine, 8,400. I mean, these guys are all playing great basketball. I I like all their price tags. I think they're all priced appropriately. I don't think anybody's overpriced. I don't think anybody's underpriced. Uh, What I do when that's the type of situation that we're rolling with, I try to pinpoint the the actual matchups that these guys have. And I think Zach Levine could just decimate Gary Trent Jr. That's probably the guy that he'll draw on coverage. It seems like it's a good Zach Levine spy, 8,400. I definitely have some interest in him. Uh, Nikola Vucevic. 9k played great in that last one 15 and 19 with three blocks two steals and that's one thing the past two games the blocks and steals have been there it's not always something that we see from Vucevic usually he's more of like a one and one type guy if anything but I don't know who they're really going to throw on him they have a nice little big man rotation maybe you can get to that point but I I can't see Precious staying with him Precious a little no nah, I wouldn't say he's necessarily undersized but not not Vucevic size so I can see I can see him struggling a little bit with that but when it comes up to the 9K price tag, I'd rather just find the extra thousand, go to a Giannis or go to a Durant and just feel a little bit better about that situation. So for the most part, I'll be looking at Zach Levine, and I don't think any of these bench options are really enticing me, even though Caruso was getting his MVP chance and all that. Five steals in one game, four steals in the first game. That's where most of his value is coming from, and that's just unsustainable. So it's not something I'm going to be sitting there putting my money on and betting on that he's going to go out there and, and you know get four to five steals a game just doesn't happen. He would probably win Defensive Player of the Year if that was the case. So I'll probably just really be focusing and keying in on Zach Levine. I just don't want to necessarily – I don't mind DeRozan. Don't get me wrong. But for the same reason why I wanted to pump the brakes on, like, those Luka uh, over-under when they played them, uh, the Raptors the other night. I think it was set at, like, 29 and a half. I was telling most people to take the under. It's because this team is versatile. Everybody on the team is pretty much 6'8 with long arms and great defenders between – Scotty Barnes, OG, they have the bodies to kind of throw at that position where, I, you know, that's probably the day where I'm just going to take off uh, the small forward position, cross them off immediately. If I take one to the chin and it burns me, so be it. But that's probably it. It's just going to be Zach Levine for me and then you could sprinkle Lonzo, but. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, don't I was going to say, you, should, you shouldn't think about or shouldn't forget about
1: DeMar in this because it's just one of those matchups that he circles every time. You, just the fact of the matter is, you know, that whole Toronto connection. People love him, but still he wants to come in and absolutely smoke us. And funny enough, out of all the teams that he faces against, he pretty much averages... Seven rebounds a game and eight assists a game, apart from his regular scoring aspect against Toronto. He just loves to become more of a facilitating guard to do everything to be able to get it going. And it's happened every year. So it's just one of those where at 7,300, I'm likely to have some DeRozan just because he has revenge on his mind every time he plays us now. So just keeping that in mind. How do you
0: feel about him as a Toronto season ticket holder? You've got to still love the guy, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone loves him. It's just one of those things where it's like you can love the guy for his personality, for how he represented the city... But it was just one of those things where it's like the trade had to happen. It made sense. Uh, Damari needs to, in some ways, look at himself at how he underperformed as far as the playoffs were concerned. But it's like it's that kind of connection. So the love is always going to be there. But I think at this point, he just has a personal vendetta against Masai for uh, trading him away in that, and now he just kills Toronto every time he comes. It's like the Vince It's a great, it's great point. point. Yeah,
0: absolutely, great point. You can't. Anytime there's any sort of revenge narrative, um, I'm invested and I'm, I'm involved. So yeah, I, just for that reason, I'm, I'm going to keep in my player pool. You convinced me. You <laughs> convinced me. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, on the Toronto side, what are you looking at? Yeah, and the Toronto side is just one of those where,
1: as like I said, the pricing is in a situation where really there's a lot of upside for them to be able to grow. OG continues to be the guy that I'm looking at on a night in, night out basis where he, he's. They're pretty much setting him to be the primary offensive option on the Toronto Raptors. I mean, they want him to be shooting near 20 shots a game. And, you know, he's getting himself close to there. Uh, He's taking a lot more threes. He hit five of them in that Dallas game. And really him getting into foul trouble is what kept him away from having a really, really crazy night, uh, where even though he ended up at 37 and a half. So for 6,300, I'm thinking OG is a great spot to be able to go. His offense is finally starting to uh, click. His shot's getting there. It's a great spot to be able to go. And on top of that, the Precious, the Chua side, he had 4,500. He's getting the minutes. He was 100% the centerpiece of the trade when uh, the Kyle Lowry movement happened, and they're definitely committed to developing his side. as minutes continue to rise. He had 33 in the last game. I assume he's going to be somewhere close to that 30 minutes range again. And just from an activity standpoint, he reminds me a lot of Montrez Harrell, so that same situation where he doesn't necessarily need You know, that 28, 30 minutes on a consistent basis to be able to get kind of those points just from pure hustle. So at 4,500, I'm definitely looking at him as well. So between OG and, uh, and Precious, that's one spot. And one spot I'm definitely avoiding is Fred Van Vliet, who just looks absolutely completely lost at this moment from an offensive standpoint. They have him set as the primary point guard, but it's clearly a situation that's not a natural role for him. So he's just finding himself just completely out of it. His shot's not looking good. His uh, his minutes are wild there. He's not looking full that level of gauge. So at 7,600 at this moment, I mean, I could be proven wrong, and he goes ahead and has an absolutely crazy game, but it's just not uh, a price point I'm comfortable with paying up for him when there's other options available.
0: Yeah, and he falls in a tough price, right? 76 just feels a little bit too priced up for, for like you said, his play so far this season. And when we got guys like Brogdon and LaMilla Ball, very similarly priced, they, you know, just – It feels like at most he'd be like a GPP pivot, because I do expect the Big Freddy game eventually. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's a guy that we expected to be taking 20-plus shots now that he's the main key cog with no Siakam as well. But for me, you touched on OG. He's probably the only guy I really have any moderate interest in on the Toronto side of the ball. Only three games left, and we finally have a new game time. felt like, you know, it was just four straight 7.30 uh, game times, but... Before we get into that, another shout out to our presenting sponsor over at DraftKings. Guys, check out their sports book if you haven't already. I think this I mean, sports gambling is getting legalized pretty much all over the place at this point. And the NBA is back at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. The key to victory is a strong starting five. And now, new customers, when they sign up at, with the DK Sportsbook app and use that promo code NBA Today, they get to bet just $5 on any team that they think is going to win. And if they do, you get $200 in free bets. So it's only $5 for a $200 payout in free bets. That's that's kind of, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. So if it's legal where you are, download that DK Sportsbook app. Use that promo code NBA today. And customers also can get some skin in the game with their same-game parlays. You can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So that's promo code DFS today. Oh, I'm sorry, NBA today. Confusing them. DFS today is our podcast. NBA today. NBA today. There we go. And you get that promo code where you get to allowed to bet a $5 bet on any team you think will win. I think there's a few one-sided options you could choose from. To get that $200 in free bets. DK Sportsbook. Download it. Next game. One of the most enticing fantasy games. I think that is on the slate. We've got two coming up that I think are just juicy matchups. Pelicans traveling to Minnesota. Nice little rematch here. Taking on the Timberwolves. Game's coming in at half game total. So this right now looks like it's going to be about the third highest uh, spread of the night next to the Milwaukee, Indiana. And we'll get to the highest game total in the last one. But we have Minnesota favored by five and a half points. Minnesota has been looking pretty good. Not going to lie. Better than I expected outside of D'Angelo Russell, who for some reason, man, I just don't like D'Angelo Russell. I used to, I used to like the lefty. like I like lefty point guard. So, uh, you know, it's weird saying that. But I'm just not a big D'Angelo Russell guy. I don't know what it is. Just don't like him that much. Josh Hart's questionable. Zion is ruled out main news of concern, and we have not got an injury report yet from the Timberwolves, but imagine they're pretty much fully good to go. Haven't seen any major injuries from them yet this season, so they should have their full team available. Pass it over to you. We'll start with this Pelicans team. Definitely a lot to like. Who are you looking at?
1: Yeah, there's a number of juicy options over here, and all of them kind of sitting at that price point where They're kind of high, but you can think that they'll do quite a bit more than that. I mean, Brandon Ingram is the first spot over there. I mean, he's pretty much, if not the main point guard, he's sharing duties with uh, Devontae Graham to be able to do that. So it's just a lot of outside of his pure scoring, which you're going to get every night. He's been shooting great so for the first two games so far, first three games actually, 46, 50, 52% from the field. So just floor is incredibly secure for him at 8,300. Hasn't had a game below 43 fantasy points yet. Uh, Minnesota, as we all know, not an amazing defensive team as far as uh, wings are concerned, though uh, they are getting uh, a little bit of help from one of my 3,500 picks when we go ahead and talk about Minnesota themselves. But as far as he's concerned, he's my primary guy. Outside of that, I spoke about Devontae Graham. He's just a guy who's getting 10 threes a game as far as attempts are concerned. We had that in his uh, first year when he was with Charlotte as well. If he can get even, you know, 30 to 40 percent of those to fall, he'll absolutely smash that value every time, just because he's getting the minutes. He's getting essentially, alongside Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, the primary ball handling capabilities when Brandon Ingram's not dealing with it. And it's just one of those spots where uh, I like to be able to take him at that price point until he gets to that, you know, 6,001, which I imagine he'll get to pretty soon. But speaking of Alexander Walker at 6,700, I mean, the guy's. He's to me the front runner for most improved player. I've got quite a bit of money on that sitting as well. He's just been a guy who's just waiting for a breakout to happen. And we talk about uh, shots being available to him at the 24 attempts in the previous game. Even though he just hit six of 24, he had 14 rebounds to be able to go ahead and make it up. So it's nice uh, little wrinkle to have to his game over there. So at 6,400, that's other my uh, my three primary targets as far as the New Orleans Pelicans are concerned. I do probably imagine that I'll have a few contrarian lineups in which I go with JB, just because him and uh, Carl anthony Towns have had a number of big games uh, against each other in the past. When he was with Toronto, that was also a thing. They loved going at each other over there, so I do expect uh, JB to have a pretty solid game. Maybe at 7,900, he might be priced just slightly too high. I could still see him dropping into the mid to high 40s, but that'll probably be uh, a smaller exposure just to get him
0: I, I love Jonas in this matchup, but you touched on it. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is not a good defender. Very elite on offense, but he does not play good defense. And JV was kind of just decimating him in the last one. I had a ton of Jonas Valanciunas when he was at, I think it was about 7200 It was a fantastic price point. $79, he's getting a nice $700 price boost. So definitely, definitely a big price boost, don't get me wrong. And I don't necessarily expect him to have four combined blocks and steals in this game. But at seventy nine hundred, I think that's a very, very fair price tag still for this matchup. I, I expect him to be a big, big part of this offense. And with him, it's always just the minutes. And he played thirty-five in that in that game, or thirty-six actually. He's played no less than thirty so far. I mean, they they traded for him for a reason. They signed him to that extension. You know, maybe they move on from him eventually, but until he, until they do, I you know, with no Zion in the front court, he's gonna keep piling on these rebounds. He's gonna have the points in the paint. Hitting every free throw shot he's taken so far this season. Hasn't missed one yet. So I have a ton of interest in Joe Val. You touched on Brandon Ingram. He's as safe as safe comes. His floor is great. He still has that 50-point ceiling. Can easily hit it in this matchup. This is the type of matchup that he could and would hit it in. So I have no problem looking at both these guys. I just don't I don't play Devontae Graham. Um, struggled in that last one. I get it. You, you know, Missed nine of his three, 10 three-point attempts. Still played a boatload of minutes. He has the availability and the upside. Don't get me wrong. But he's more of a GPP kind of play for me than Cash. And Akil Alexander-Walker, again, he should be second on the team in shot attempts, if not close to first, right there with Ingram. Very, very aggressive this season. He's probably, like you said, up there as most improved player. Probably him and Tyler Hero are the two favorites as of right now. So those three guys, don't mind playing any one of them. I'm going to have at least one of those guys in every single lineup because I want exposure to this game. And you can't go wrong with any of them. Honestly, I think they all have great upside. They all have good rebounding upside in this matchup. Minnesota, I know you touched on it. They're not good against the wing. They're not very good at defense against anybody. To be honest, it's you know just a hole in their game. they they have they have shooters. Anthony Edwards is great. Calling Anthony Towns, we know what his offensive role is. D'Angelo Russell, when he's on, he's on. Don't get me wrong. As much as I just talk trash, uh, trash about him, but I think all three of these guys are very very much in play. If I had to rank them, it would probably go Joe Val, Ingram. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, point per dollar. On the Minnesota side of things, I, for everything I just said about you know Joe Val taking advantage of Carl Anthony Towns, I fully expect him to do the same exact thing. 9,700. I still prefer Durant. I still prefer uh, Giannis. But he's probably my third, eh, maybe my fourth, because we're going to get to a guy. Priced up stud on this slate. No issues going to him. And Anthony Edwards just looks absolutely fantastic this season so far. Taking the three balls confidence. He's 9 of 20 on the year. So just under 50%. Have some interest. Back-to-back 40-point DK games, 7,500. That's a very fair price tag. Should be looking at another big one here. No D'Angelo Russell for me. Nobody else on this team do I even think about playing outside of the two top dogs. Just not enough usage to go around with the, with Carl Anthony Towns and Edwards. I mean, both these guys are just seeing massive, massive usage. And those are the only spots I'm really looking at.
1: Yeah, can't argue with that.
0: All right. We'll keep it moving then. Two games left. Cleveland traveling to Denver, taking on the Nuggets. This game is coming in at a whopping 234 and a half game total. So, this is one of the ones I was talking about. It's tied for one of the higher game totals on the slate. Denver being favored by only three points. A little shocked by that, but I guess Denver hasn't been playing their best basketball yet. That has yet to come. As far as an injury report, Taco Falls rolled out. Dylan Windler, Darius Garland are both questionable. Garland is the big news that we're going to have to keep an eye on. And then Jamal Murray still rolled out for the Nuggets. Looking at Cleveland, if there's no Garland, I'm going to continue to ride the Ricky Rubio train. Just looks like he's very comfortable. He's shooting the ball with confidence. Actually, really good shot attempts. He's at six over his last 13 from deep. Uh, at least, you know, 15 shot attempts in that last one, 12 in the game prior. The assists are always going to be there with Rubio. So if Rubio's not going to be, uh, you know, shy shooting the ball, and he's going to be playing big minutes, which in that Charlotte game, they started to get blown out by a little bit, or else he would have played 30-plus. Still managed to hit that price tag, but in the no game less than 36 DK points, and at 6K, he's a fantastic play again. Sign me up. No issues going on there. Love Mobley. Love Mobley's game. Been a big fan of him for a long time. 7200 Feels a bit pricey, but this is a matchup he can certainly take advantage of. Michael Porter Jr., if he is playing that four, can't really guard anybody. Very, very poor defensively, let alone somebody that he was about seven feet tall. So, Mobley at 7,200. You know, I've been talking a lot about a lot of expensive guys. So, do I see myself ending up on him? Probably not. I don't think I'll have the money to get there, but he's definitely in a spot where he can, you know, maybe if you want to take some of those, uh, you know, prop bets or anything like that, wouldn't be a bad time to target Mobley. So, those are the two main guys I'm looking at. And, uh, you know, I can see this being one of those games where Jared Allen foul, uh, finds himself in foul trouble. If that's the case, maybe Mobley has to sh- uh, shift over a little bit. Marketing might slide up to the four, but as much as I hate marketing, and I don't want them, I don't like that the Cavs are playing them at the three, I can't stand that more than anything at 5,500. I think this is a matchup where we can consider them.
1: Yeah, you pretty much got the main ones, and i mean, going back to the Mobley thing. As much as I would love to be able to play them at 7,200, if I'm Going to that point, I'm likely already playing Miles Bridges or maybe going a little bit higher and maybe thinking about DeMar again at, at the small forward spot. So, yeah, it's just one of those where his price point probably gets him out of consideration for me. But uh, Ricky Rubio is probably in most of my lineups at this point, as far as Garland's concerned, as long as he's out.
0: Absolutely. It's kind of, I mean, he's going to be the chalk of the night uh, at 6K. And that's just, to me, like, you know, I get it, fade in the chalk, new GPPs make sense. But that's just we're getting we're getting a price tag of a guy at 6k who's putting up a guy that's you know should be 73 7500 yeah. uh with his performance lately on the other side of the ball 11k for Jokic the joker is the most expensive guy on the slate put up a 70 point dk game against the spurs 50 in the first one against phoenix i mean it's his it's his world and we're just living in it as long as murray's out he's definitely in, into consideration don't get me wrong spreads close but you heard me. I'm I'm very high on Durant, I'm very high on Giannis today. So I just don't know how much room I'm gonna have for Jokic. A lot of price up options to spend at. And we have a bunch of center options that we've already talked about. So that's kind of generally how I do you know, pick my studs. Where, you know, I look at the position where I, I like my studs. I kinda of keep my player pool. I'll cross a couple of them off, don't get me wrong. But it's gonna come down to how strong these other positions are. And with the center position being so strong today. Just don't know how much Jokic I end up falling on, but outside of him, Michael Porter Jr.'s price tag continues to drop. He just doesn't look like he quite has it. So 6K, it's definitely enticing. Don't see myself necessarily falling on him, but the one guy I do have some interest in is going to be Will Barton at uh, 5700. Back-to-back games with at least 30 DK points. He's getting the shot attempts. He's handling the ball a little bit. He's always going to give you, you know, right around that five and five type stat line. He can go up, could go down a little bit, but For the most part, I feel like 5,700 is a very comfortable and safe price tag for Will Barton. So I have some interest for him, and I just don't play Monte Morris. Um, All set with it. It's kind of like P.J. Tucker at point guard, where even when he gets the minutes, we're never getting real big games from him.
1: Yeah, no, you're completely right. He just doesn't handle the ball enough to get enough of those assists to kind of make up for the fact that even if he scores 12, 13 points, it just kind of ends up being empty stats. But you're right. Will Barton, on the other hand, is uh, kind of everywhere as far as the Nuggets are concerned. He's grabbing six and a half rebounds. He's averaging five and a half assists, apart from the fact that, you know, while Michael Porter Jr. probably should be the second option shooting, you know, 15, 20 times a game, it's actually Will Barton who's gone ahead and shot in that range while Michael Porter Jr. has been sitting at 10 shot attempts a game. I don't know whether he's just in his own head, but he's annoying me because I drafted him in a couple of my uh, season-long teams, and he's just looking like he's completely disinterested. So he needs to
0: get his hat on
1: and get going, and at that price tag, is pretty enticing. Maybe I'll take one or two stabs at him just to see if he gets it going. But uh, yeah, just outside of uh, Jokic and Barton, who have been the consistent performance, he just can't really trust anyone else at the moment.
0: Nope. It's really just Jokic and Barton for me, too. So we'll move on to the final game of the night. 9 or 10 30 eastern standard Time game portland trailblazers traveling to la to take on the clippers so you definitely know that this is going to be a matchup where a couple of these guys in this game have it circled on their calendar love going against each other these are very exciting games 234 and a half game total clippers favored by three in this one for the injury report as we know we saw norman Powell go down with that knee injury uh I don't know if it' actually been if they released the mri results they're saying it's not season ending or anything like that which is great news but he's definitely ruled out in this one, as well as everyone's favorite DFS play, Tony Snell. A uh, little little sarcasm there, but Serge is still out, Kawhi Leonard out. Keon Johnson's questionable, and Jason Preston is out as well for this Clippers team. We'll start with Portland, 9,300. Dame's definitely in play for me. Again, can't we can't play all these studs, but I prefer him over Trey Young. I think with Bradley Beal, it's very, very close. I'll uh, probably lean a little bit more towards Lillard, just knowing that this is one of those, you know, I think he has him and Paul George that little grudge. I, I there was I, I remember reading something in the offseason where they kind of uh, they kind of hashed it out a little bit, but you know he's going to be taking some deep threes in this one. It's you know I I just see it coming. So I definitely have some interest in Dame in this matchup, especially now that there's no Patrick Beverly. He's just going to draw Reggie Reggie Jackson, uh, maybe Eric Bledsoe if they decide to switch that up. But still, you know even Bledsoe he's notoriously rock solid defender, but he's not as pesty as Patrick Beverly is and. I definitely have some interest in Dame. Not going to go with Nurkic. Uh, it's a great matchup for him, but we've been seeing the Clippers kind of just limit centers. And they go small, though they're not afraid to play Marcus Morris at center. And if that's the case, we'll probably see Nurkic have limited minutes. So not a real ton of interest in Nurkic. And C.J. McCollum's has been lightning in a bottle so far this season. So if you're not playing Lillard, you know, if you don't have the money to go there and you want to go to C.J., won't fault you whatsoever if you want to do that. But at that price tag, uh, you know, I'd probably go like Middleton over him. You touched on a couple other guys, like Demar. Uh, who would you rather play, Demar or CJ? Uh,
1: I mean, I'd probably between those two, I'd probably play CJ just because he has more of the three-point range where he can get hot from outside to be able to do that. But Demar, on the other hand, could potentially get you the bonus as far as uh, the double level is concerned because he's gotten a couple of 10-assist games with the Toronto Raptors. So maybe hedge between the two, but in you know, a gun to my head, I'd probably go with CJ.
0: All right. Well, what else are you looking at on this Portland team?
1: Uh, you know, Apart from uh, Dame itself, which is at that 9,300 spot, pretty good. I mean, Nurkic is just one of those where, as you said, at the price tag would otherwise be excellent, but they keep going small. And Robert Covington just continues to be an enigma to me. I mean, he should be shooting more on this team. He should be plain and simple more involved. I still don't like how Portland has used him ever since he's come onto the team. At 4,700 and any other team, if he was on Philly, if he's on Minnesota, I'd be taking him every night. But uh, until Portland learns how to use him, It's really just game or CJ for me.
0: Yeah, it remains to be seen. I think Nazir Little was the main guy that kind of started the second half when Powell got hurt. So he'll probably likely draw that start at small forward. I mean, they could always shift Covington down, I guess, give Nance more minutes, but I doubt they do that because then they just kind of take a lot of their offense out of their playbook. But he played well, played 27 minutes, put up 25 DK points. So, you know, another bottom of the barrel type 3,800 play. If you need it, he's there. Do I have a whole load of confidence in him? Absolutely not. And then we saw Anthony Simons took a bu- uh, get a bunch of shot attempts off the bench as well. He was packing a nice little scoring punch of that last one. And they're going to need it. That's the thing. It's another reason why I think Dame's in play over there, over Beal just ever so slightly. Because the main thing with Beal is like we expect him just to take thirty shot attempts because they need him to score. Well, they're going to need Dame and CJ to really carry the load without Norman Powell there. That's the reason why they want uh, they resigned him to such a big contract is that it provided another score, another shooter. And they needed that ever so much. On the Clipper side of the ball, Paul George has been playing absolutely fantastic at 10-1. I've pretty much played him every single slate so far. Paid paid off very, very well. I'll probably take Paul George off my slate in this one. I think he's still in line for a good game. But at 10-K, he just falls to that Giannis and Durant range where I'd rather play those guys. I'd rather play Jokic over him. So I just don't see myself landing on Paul George too much. Reggie Jackson's been getting a boatload of shot attempts. Hasn't really been hitting him at even a decent clip. Shot 41% in that last one, 20% in the first one. Shot attempts should continue to be there. I expect the assist total to come there. Um, Hasn't really put it on completely, but he's a guy that could really put it all together. But at 6,500, I just don't see myself landing on that. You know, we talked about Rubio and a couple of these other guys I prefer over him. And then Bledsoe. I think Bledsoe makes the pivot. If you're going to pivot off anybody, uh, off Rubio to anybody, it would be Bledsoe. Definitely have some interest in him, especially with that dual eligibility where you can play him at shooting guard, too. He's been absolutely fantastic for this team so far. Back-to-back games with 37 DK points. So, for me, it's really just going to be Bledsoe. If I knew Marcus Morris uh, wasn't really having his minutes limited, I'd have a little bit more interest. Play 25 and 30. So, a guy I could definitely see myself playing in this matchup. I could see him taking advantage of it, but not a guy I'm overly excited about, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, you really uh, hit the nail on the head as far as the uh, double eligibility for Eric Bledsoe is concerned. Because anytime I have an opportunity where I can essentially put a point guard in the shooting guard position, I find myself doing that pretty often. And Eric Bledsoe at 6,000 is probably going to find himself in a number of my lineups just because I like ball handlers there. Uh, the other spot that I always kind of have my eye on just from a cheap standpoint is Terrence Mann just because uh, he's pretty much become their Primary defender on the wing, he's getting consistent shots uh, to, for his uh, for his minutes and his value as well, and he gets you know, really great rebounds for his position, which is really what it comes down to. So as long as he can hit, even three out of his eight shots to ten shots that he'll get a game, he's usually going to hit uh, pretty decent value on there. Maybe a little bit more of a, a GPP play rather than, uh, or sorry, more of a cash play rather than GPP play, but uh, he's always a guy that's uh, on my radar.
0: Absolutely. He was a guy that a lot of people had coming into the season that could win most improved player. I think that was the GM vote. Uh, All the GMs were expecting a breakout season for him. And he said, yeah, I know. Then why'd you guys all pass on me? So (laughs) that's it. That's the entire nine game slate took a while, a little over an hour, but nonetheless, glad to spend it with you. My good friend. Why don't you let the good people know where they can find you on Twitter? Absolutely. Uh, At HAK
1: underscore devil. You can always find me there. And, you know, always ready to be able to answer a couple of questions. I've had a few people actually reach out to me over a, ta- over a period of time, so happy to always answer. And uh, yeah, always excited to be able to do this and glad to have you back
0: on this as well, Mike. Absolutely. You can find me at Mike Apotria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, same thing, hit me on Twitter. Or if you're not taking advantage of it, get the DFS Pass. It's $5 a month. You will not find a better bargain than that anywhere out there in the universe. Come join us in our Discord. Great time before games, answering questions, talking about our lineups, just kind of picking each other's brains. That's a great place to do it. Great community of people out there that join us, and I I highly recommend it. There's so much more that you get with the DFS pass, too, including the DFS delivery, which tonight you'll get Harris's article. You'll see that coming out tomorrow. Shout out, Harris. Always putting out that good content. So you'll see a little bit more in depth. If you're more of a reader than a listener, it'll be out there for you. You can get both of them. Listen to the podcast. Read the article, join us in Discord, and it's a recipe for success. Give us a thumbs up, five-star, rate, review, wherever you listen to it, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Really greatly appreciate it. And we're going to actually have a contest this week, looking like it's going to be on a Friday. So this Friday, we'll be having our DFS contest. Probably started off pretty late on the on the season with only 25 entries. You'll see a bunch of the guys from the DFS team in there, a bunch of listeners. It'll be a good time. And if that thing fills up pretty quickly, we'll expand it a little bit the next week. But we're going to try to have one of these contests every single week. Five dollar entry. It's uh, I'll host it probably myself. So we won't have the link until Friday morning, but it's worth saying now. That way, you know to look out for it. We'll see us tweeting it out. We'll tweet it out from our main hoopball accounts, and you'll probably see a couple of guys on the team tweet it out too. So that's it. And Harris, anything else you want to leave us with? No, that's everything on there. Hoping to see a, a good game tomorrow back at Scotia Bank Arena. Absolutely. What's the food? Of choice in the in in the Bank Arena. I know, like every stadium has like their own specialty. Uh,
1: I mean, I'd say, I mean, it's just kind of the city of Toronto itself, just having so many different multicultural options. I personally love the sushi that they have over there. This is one sushi chef that sits around like two uh, two gates away from my season seats, and I find myself going there at least uh, three to four times a season. So, shout out to the sushi at the Scotia Bank Arena.
0: I cannot say I, I saw that coming. I didn't think that. You know you're gonna say sushi. I just didn't. I, I never heard of too many stadiums that do sushi, but yeah. hey, listen, state, some stadium food can be fantastic. I made the mistake of going to a Rangers baseball game and I moved down here to Texas and it was dollar hot dog night and I challenged myself. Almost got sick. Uh, Six to seven dollar hot dogs usually aren't the way to go. Was, they were they were bad hot dogs. Uh, they were the dollar ones. You get what you pay for. But thank you guys for listening. Shout out to all you guys. We'll see you in the contest on Friday, and we'll see you tomorrow. When we're back on the show, Santino will be crushing it for you. Take care, guys. This has been a HoopBall presentation.